You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Exodus 17, 8-16 The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with a sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, Because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Cedar City Church family and the Village Church family. It's so good to have all of you here in one place uh, this morning. Uh, for those of you who do not know who I am, uh, my name is David Hackney, and I serve as the lead pastor uh, here at Cedar City Church in Lebanon, Ohio. And uh, just last year, uh, the Village Church sent me and my family and uh, some, some fantastic Jesus followers out from the church uh, to come to this city, um, to a particular neighborhood, to uh, invest our lives and invest the gospel um, in this city. And so we're super thankful for your investment into our lives uh, for your care and your prayers and, um, and your support. Um, thank you uh, so much for those things. Um, and so today we're going to continue in our sermon series, uh, finishing up this part of the book of Exodus. Um, and so uh, as, as many of you know, there are uh, lots of businesses, uh, big businesses, looking to get back into the swing of things as the economy is, is, is beginning to open up a little bit more. Uh, and one of these such businesses is the NBA, the National Basketball Association. And so uh, their season was cut short uh, by about a third. Um, and so they're trying to figure out the best strategy to get back to uh, playing basketball. Um, and so right now, what they are dreaming up is uh, taking 16 or 20 teams um, out of about 30 or 32 um, to Orlando, Florida, and placing the teams, the players, the, the coaching staff, the training staff um, on the re, at the resort of Walt Disney World and, and just allowing them to play games all the time uh, to kind of get the playoffs uh, accomplished so that they might find out who the champion is for this season. And so the idea is to put them in a bubble and they can't leave uh, that resort and they can't have family come in. And so it might be a month or two of, um, you know, some trying times, but they're trying to get the, the season back um, and, and declare a champion for this year. Now, one of the teams vying for the championship is the Houston Rockets. 
and uh, maybe you've heard of them, maybe you haven't, um, but they have a, a pretty good team, um, and the way that they play basketball is they have one guy named James Harden who is one of the best in the league. And so what they do basically each possession is give him the ball and let him work in isolation. What that means is they let him dribble, he's really good at that, uh, shoot three-pointers, he's really good at that, or take it to the rim and occasionally pass the ball. Right? So the whole team and the whole philosophy uh, revolves around the success of this one guy. And so when he's doing well, uh, they tend to win. And when he's not, when he's inefficient, having an off night, uh, they lose. And sometimes really, really badly uh, because uh, their whole team theory is based on this theory of isolation. One guy, in some regards, trying to do it all, to carry the whole team on his back. And this morning, as we think about this idea of isolation, uh, man, isn't that some, you know, sometimes the way that you and I live our lives in isolation? I mean, according to the world, um, we should be self-reliant, right? Like we, we should have uh, enough resilience and energy and, and wisdom and know-how um, to, to, to just have it all together and, and flourish in this thing called life. Um, I mean, according to the world, uh, we should at least have a posture that fronts and acts like we have it together, right? We, we've all been there and done that. Uh, and even according to like suburban standards, like suburban living standards, um, we, we would never ask somebody to help us out. We, we, we should have it all together. I mean, at age 38, uh, you know, I've been around the block. I should have everything together, right? Now, I know it's really tough to admit um, that we have weaknesses, like nobody likes to admit that. And I know it's really hard to admit that we need help, but let's just be honest this morning. We all are in need of some help. And it's quite all right uh, to admit this and even to say it out loud, right? Like, I need some help. And it's actually a great sign of humility to confess this and, and say this um, realizing that humility is a key characteristic in the life of anyone who belongs to Jesus. And so it's good to admit that we're weak. It's good to admit that we have needs. And the scriptures actually tell us that in our moments of weakness, we're actually very strong. And so let's begin today by etching this statement into our minds. And here's the statement. There are zero battles in life that we should go through on our own. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about things like potty training, like I've been there before, it's good to have a partner to help you out with those things, or limiting technology in your life or your kids' lives, or raising kids, or financial battles, or anxiety, or relational struggles, or even spiritual warfare. We are not meant to go it alone. And so God gives us this beautiful gift of community. Life is a battlefield, and thanks be to God this morning that he has given us himself and his people to both fight with us and for us. And so the big idea this morning as we lean into Exodus 17 is that isolation is not a sustainable method for winning. Fortunately, God's plan for his people is community. He's given us himself and other believers. And so today, we see Israel going to battle. 
And it's the first of its kind uh, for these Israelites who are living uh, outside of Egypt. They are free and they're traveling on. And this is the first battle versus the, versus the Amalekites uh, that they're going to go to hand-to-hand combat with some people, right? And we see how the battle began and we see uh, who led uh, the enemy forces. And so uh, either now or later on this week, um, flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 25 to get a better picture of how this battle even uh, takes place. And so what's happening is the Amalekites, they actually attack the Israelites from from the rear or from the back of their traveling um, convoy, right? Uh, They see uh, lots of people uh, traveling. Uh, The vulnerable, the tired, the weak are probably lagging behind. And so Deuteronomy chapter 25 uh, tells the story of them going and sneaking behind and actually beginning to, to kind of pick off the weak ones in the back of the formation. Not cool, but actually a, a pretty decent strategy to get a couple wins under your belt. Uh, and so they're led by this guy named uh, Amalek. And Amalek just so happens to be the grandson of this guy named Esau. And if you don't know who Esau is, he is the, the twin brother of a guy named Jacob. And Jacob, in the book of Genesis, um, he actually has his name changed to Israel. And so the people in the lineage of Jacob uh, become the Israelites. And then we have these enemies, um, the, the people who are of the lineage of, of Esau. And so um, from the beginning, there was a tension and contention between Jacob and Esau. Uh, and so today we're dealing with the descendants of both of these brothers. There's some deep-seated history and enmity between these two uh, groups going to battle. And so uh, as we just kind of take an overview of what's taking place in our scriptures today, uh, Moses, he calls this guy named Joshua. It's a very important guy in the Bible. Um, he, he wrote the book of Joshua. Uh, he actually is going to be the one succeeding Moses as he takes the Israelites into the promised land, into Canaan. Um, and, and he tells Joshua to take some guys with him and, and go fight Amalek, right? And so Moses then decides to climb this hill with his brother Aaron and his companion named Hur. Um, and, and so Moses, uh, what he would do as this battle and this fight is, is, is going on, is he would raise his hands and he had a staff in one hand. And when his hands were lifted up, uh, the, the Israelites would win the battle and succeed. But when his arms dropped down, um, the Amalekites would actually uh, win that time frame of the battle. Um, and so um, as we think about Moses, we got to remember, dude is 80 years old plus, right? Weary, um, been walking a lot, right? So feet probably hurt, tired. Um, and so his companions, Aaron and her, they notice this rhythm. Hands up, win, hands down, lose. And so they take it upon themselves to help Moses out. It's a big theme in today's sermon, uh, the help that we give and receive, right? And so they're actively engaging in in Moses' life and helping him and the nation succeed. And so what ends up happening is God causes the uh, Amalekites uh, to be overwhelmed with the sword. They're defeated. Um, And what we realize in the text today, we've been realizing throughout the book of Exodus, is the Amalekites and any enemy of God that um, they're choosing to mess with the wrong people, right? And, and more, more importantly, they're choosing to mess with the wrong God, the one true 
delivering, conquering, active God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so on that day, God proved himself again to be faithful to his people in battle. And so God then uh, told Moses to write this war story down in a book. And perhaps this is the first time we see scripture being written down. That's what's happening in this moment. And so the big message from the war was God will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. It's a big statement here. Um, it's, It's a harsh judgment towards these people. So the Israelites went from being totally overwhelmed by an army to completely overwhelming this same army. And it was God's doing and it was God's design. And so that's the narrative of what's taking place in our text today. And what I want to do is I want to draw out just three truths um, regarding the importance of having community around us. The fact that we're not supposed to live in isolation, that God gives us himself and his family to help us fight battles. So the first thing that we see in the text is that we're, we need to invite others to help us. We see this in verses 8, 9, and 10. And so what Moses is doing is he, he sees this army and he uh, immediately goes to Joshua and insists that Joshua help him. He says it like this, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. He insisted that Joshua help him by choosing some men and then by actually being the one out on the battlefield leading the fight. Now, as a leader of of any kind, uh, it takes a lot of humility to insist or invite somebody else to do something for you, to lead for you, to take your place, uh, to assist you, right? Um, And and this is a very monumental moment that that maybe some people would have said, no, I'm just going to do it myself. But Moses has the humility to ask another person to actually lead the charge. I mean, leaders typically want to, to, to be the ones uh, leading the way. And, and sometimes this happens, uh, again, even when they're not the most qualified. When, when in this situation, Moses is up in age and he's not able-bodied uh, to do this. And sometimes leaders, uh, in fear that another person will rise up and take their place, or uh, just, just in fear that, that somebody else will get the glory or the credit, um, they will lead when actually they should not be leading at all. And so here was the Israelites. Um, they're in battle, um, and Moses calls upon another person to help him. He invites somebody into his life in this way. He's not in it for his glory. He, he knows that he needs somebody else to give him a hand And so he asks Joshua in. He lets Joshua lead the process. He lets Joshua go out and and choose the men. And you can imagine the the camaraderie that's built in that moment, that these soldiers are seeing Joshua as a leader. And that's really important in in this story, that that Moses would invite Joshua to be a, a valiant, invisible leader, warrior, who becomes the figurehead of this army. And this takes a lot of humility to invite people into our lives in that way. Some of us this morning would say, you know, I wouldn't dare um, ask for help. I wouldn't dare uh, put 
weight or burden on somebody else's shoulders. Like I am meant to bear and carry all of my weight. And, and I would say to you this morning, uh, that probably comes from a place of, of pride. And, and it probably is leading to a defeated life for you or segments of your life that are defeated because perhaps we're too prideful to ask people to join us in our battles. And it's not just in the major battles that we need help. We need help as a way of life every day of our life. I'm, I'm reminded of some biblical examples of, of this playing out, the fact that we need some help. I'm reminded of Jesus sending out disciples two by two, that they would have somebody else to go with them. I'm reminded of the apostles who would appoint deacons um, to, to continue the, the mission and serve uh, the orphans and the widows and to feed people. Um, I'm reminded of Paul who would appoint elders in all the churches that he would go and plant. He realized and they realized that, that, that help was needed, that people need other people and community to thrive and to overcome certain battles. And so this morning, no matter if you're an elder or a deacon or a mom or a dad or a coach or a single person, no matter who you are this morning, you got to realize that, that you need help. I need help. We cannot face battles on our own and think that we're going to be successful, right? We're, we're not meant to live like that. God has given you elders, if you're a member of a church, he's given you deacons. He's given you friends. He's given you family members. He's given you um, neighbors uh, that are in your life for the express purpose to help you along with any battle that you are going through. We all need to do a better job of inviting people in to help us out. And let me say this to you this morning. There are people who have margin in their lives. And if you would ask them, they would be super happy to help you out. They would be super happy to bear a burden that you might have. And I would also say this to you. There are people that, that need to be asked to serve you, right? That, that, that God uh, would use them and their gifts and their knowledge of the word and their prayer um, to help you on your journey. And I know I've heard it a thousand times, right? If you're like me, sometimes you don't want to burden anybody. You don't want to cause some stress upon somebody's life. You don't want people to think you don't have it all together. You don't want people to, to know about your sin, perhaps, or your weaknesses, right? Um, you don't want to let people in, right? You, you enjoy, to some degree, hiding, not exposing yourselves. The attitude that says, I got this. All of these are excuses and, and they're lies that the enemy wants you to believe. But God gives us the great gift of community. And part of that gift is to help you along your journey through life. Admit that you need help and invite others to join you. Now, I don't know about you, but, but when things aren't going well in my life, man, I can really tend to isolate. I can go home and, and be quiet. I can disconnect from my wife and my kids at times. I can feel that the weight of the world is on my shoulders and I can begin to feel like nobody else could possibly know what I'm going through or even want to help carry the weight with me. I can focus sometimes on the negative 
I can begin to believe lies. I can, I can look at the future and say, man, it looks a little bit grim. But the truth is, is that in Jesus, none of these things are true, right? What we get to do is we get to remind ourselves of God's word and his truth. The fact that God calls us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. That's 1 Peter 5. And the truth that God causes us to rest in him, Matthew 11, and the truth that God provides a way of escape for his people, 1 Corinthians 10. This is how God works in our lives. God gives us his spirit and his people for us to lean on, confess to, and invite in to help us. Let me just ask you this question real quick this morning. Do you, do you think you need help in any way? And, and if there were three people in your life that you could uh, pinpoint and call upon to help you out, to, be, to bear a burden with you, who would they be? And then I want to challenge you to, to call one of them up today or this week and invite them into your life in, in maybe a general way, like just be involved and, and, and be there, um, or even in a specific way, a specific burden or maybe specific counsel that you need um, to help you along your journey. Well, the second thing we see this morning is, is that we should seek to help others, right? And so because we, we know that we need help, what we also know is that uh, others need help too, right? We, we shouldn't let other people walk this journey of life or battle alone, right? We, we always have to be on the lookout uh, for the people around us that we might come alongside of them, initiate relationships with them uh, to help them through their battles. And this might be people who uh, look like you, act like you, think like you, or people who are very different from you. It doesn't really make any difference, uh, but we should be looking out for people to help them. And so the Bible doesn't really record uh, the exchange that takes place between Moses and Aaron and her, um, but, but one can assume that they were not going to let Moses go up on that hill by himself. Right? He was going up there with the staff, uh, and, and they wanted to go with him to assist him and, and help him out. And, 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 and truthfully, if, if he would have went up there by himself, uh, he surely would have failed. So just think about it. There was no way 80-year-old Moses was going to stand up all day and night. Like There was no way that he was going to raise his hands up with a staff and, and be able to do that the entire day on into the evening. If, if you think so, go ahead and try that for the rest of this sermon, right? Hold your arms up like that. And so Moses uh, was weak. He was up in years and he needed a lot of help. And God knew this. God is the one who put this battle plan together on this day. God is the one who made it so that Moses' staff, when it was lowered, they would lose. And when it was raised, they would win. He, he's the one that came up with that uh, idea. And, and, and what God did was he gave Moses certain people in his life by his side in one of his greatest moments of need. And so as the battle raged, when the swords were being swung and people were, were dying, Moses had his brother and his friend by his side to help him. They wanted to help him and they helped him uh, be successful and, and they saw the salvation of the Lord on that day. And so what were his greatest needs uh, at that time? Practically speaking, he needed a rock to sit on 
and he needed some dudes to hold his arms up. That, that's what he needed in that moment. Very practical things. He needed some rest and he needed somebody to lift up his arms. He needed people who were looking out for him and willing and being willing and ready to assist him with his needs. People seeking to help Moses. And we need that in our lives as well. Just this week, uh, I've had three pastors, um, or three friends call me. Uh, one is a pastor, a longtime friend of mine. Uh, one is a church planter in Middletown who I've never talked to on the phone. He just called me out of the blue. And one is an old time friend we haven't talked in, in a long time. And all three of these men called me this week and their leading question was, how are you doing? Do you have any, any needs? How are things going? And so these men, just by calling me, right, they didn't just think about me. They actually initiated a phone call and the purpose was to check on me, to walk with me, to seek me out and ask me how I was doing, how my family is doing, how, how the church is doing, how church planting is going. And, and I can't tell you how much that meant to me that these guys were thinking about me. None of them live in my city, right? Thinking about me and then taking the time to reach out and walk with me and seek me out. I can't tell you how much encouragement this brought to my life on those days. They were acting like an Aaron. They were acting like a her to me. And it helped me out so much on those days. And this is what I want to encourage you with this week. I want you to ask God who you can invest in. Like, who could you text? Who could you call? Uh, who could you uh, take dinner to? Who could you buy a gift for? Who could you do something for? Um, and, and I want you then to deliver upon that. So God, who is it? How can I seek somebody out? And then I want you to do just that. It can be a close friend, family member, a neighbor, somebody you don't even know. Like, I don't know many people who's going to reject generosity and kindness and help from you. And so don't wait to be asked. Don't worry about maybe some perceived awkwardness in that ask. Uh, uh, whoever God might lay upon your heart, I want to encourage you to seek them out and walk with them. Be ready to lift up some arms this week. And at a minimum, let them know that you are there for them. Uh, and hopefully this will bear some fruit in their life and some encouragement in their life in that moment and even on into the future. I mean, it's true. You, you really don't know what's going on in somebody's heart and mind behind closed doors. All of us have hurts. All of us have struggles. Um, and, and we all have needs. We're all weak to some degree. As I'm thinking about um, some, some scenarios that's happened in the pastoral world over the last 12 months, uh, my mind goes to a, a couple of guys. Uh, one named Jared Wilson out in California, a pastor, well-known pastor, uh, who, who actually committed suicide uh, last September. And even recently, uh, there's speculation that a, a guy that many of us know, who we've read his books and been trained by, uh, his name's Darren Patrick. Uh, just recently, I'm sure that some of you have heard, he, um, he was at a gun range and he died from a self-inflicted gun wound. And some are tying this to, to suicide, but it's not um, for sure. It, it could have been. And so um, what, what's been happening, though, is, is, is anything that I've heard surrounding Darren Patrick uh, has been in the area of 
uh, pastors need to not be lonely and they need to seek help. And, and so uh, what A29 is doing uh, over the past couple of weeks on Tuesdays, they are providing um, biblical counseling um, through guys like Paul Tripp and Ed Welch. And so I've been on some calls with 300 pastors across the world. And these men of God are, are speaking into uh, soul care issues. They're speaking into shame. Uh, and they're talking about these things because they know that we as pastors and even you as uh, people, uh, we struggle with some of these hidden things and we need help. And so this is their way to seek out us and help us out uh, and hopefully that then produces fruit in all of your lives. And so as I think about Darren, um, I do know that loneliness was part of his story and uh, depression and high expectations. He was a vice president of a network and he was a, a founding pastor of a, of a mega church, right? Lots of pressure in the spotlight. Uh, and so he, he fell and then he went through a restoration process and he was back on staff as a teaching pastor. And then just a few short weeks ago, he, um, his life was, was ended. And again, I don't know uh, if that was suicide or not, but that's the speculation. And so today there are many people who may be or have been uh, contemplating the end of their life. If that's you, I, I mourn with you and, and I would invite you to call me or call an elder uh, and seek help, okay? And there are many people who are struggling at high levels and, and people who are isolating themselves uh, people who might be um, stressed out and maybe you're running to things like uh, escapism through TV or food or other things um, and, and you're not in a good place. Guys, I, I want you to know that, that I'm here for you. Others are here for you. Like I want to seek you out uh, and I want you to seek out other people uh, to help them in these battles that are going on in their lives. Things that we don't know about. I want to encourage you that maybe just a phone call or a text might help somebody greatly. And there are plenty of people out there. If you were blessed this week to, to see Pastor Scott O'Donohoe's uh, Facebook post, here are some people that are in need uh, today. The poor, the elderly, the hungry, the unborn, the widows, orphans, veterans, homeless, depressed, unemployed, abuse victims, Cancer survivors, law enforcement, and recovering addicts. We all know somebody today that we can invest in. I would encourage you to be a, an Aaron and a her to somebody this week. Please go with them and walk with them and give them encouragement and give them rest and lift up their arms this week. So seek to help others. And finally, our third idea this morning is that God provides lasting help. God provides lasting help. And so earlier on, I mentioned this basketball player, James Harden, who, who isolates himself on the court. And I pointed out that his team, uh, they're gonna win some games, but I don't think they're ever gonna win the championship or the war or the battle of life um, because of this style of isolation play, right? They're not gonna be able to overcome when he is off on a uh, bad night. And so what I wanna do now with that thought in mind is transition our minds squarely upon Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who was isolated, who's the only man who was isolated and who actually prevailed against the fiercest 
of enemies. And I just want to take your mind to two accounts in the scriptures of isolation and uh, Jesus prevailing in those moments. And the first one would be Jesus in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4. If you recall, uh, he was led up by the Holy Spirit and he had not eaten anything for 40 days. He's weary, he's tired, he's weak, he's fatigued. And in that moment, he encounters Satan himself. Like it's a, it's a big moment in scripture. And, and that's the thing I would say to you is that Satan loves to get us by ourselves and tempt us. Surround yourself with people. And so Satan tempts Jesus three times. If you recall, uh, he was hungry, so he said, hey, turn these stones into food. And Jesus rejects that offer. Uh, the second temptation uh, was to throw Jesus to throw himself down and let these angels swoop up and save him. Jesus uh, rejects that one. And then the third temptation, uh, which I want to talk about for just a moment, is, is, is Jesus bowing down and worshiping. And, and, and Satan says he'll give him the kingdoms of the world. Now, I want you to know that it's God's will that, that Jesus would be the king of all the kingdoms of the world. He's the king of kings, right? That's God's will. And what Satan is trying to do here is, is give Jesus a shortcut, a counterfeit way to acquire these kingdoms. He's tempting Jesus in this moment of extreme fatigue. And in this moment, Jesus quotes scripture and tells Satan to go away. And so in that moment of isolation, you can imagine that moment, Jesus is victorious and he prevails. Secondly, Jesus on the cross. Unlike Moses who had his brother and her with him on that hill, Jesus goes up to a hill called Calvary to once again be isolated. On the cross, it was Jesus in death staring him in the face. He didn't have anybody to prop him up or to raise up his arms for him as he was gasping for breath. He was by himself. I love how uh, this Christian rapper, Shy Lin, uh, in his song alone, depicts uh, the isolation of Jesus. He says these words. He says, for now, he considers the man who snitched on him Judas, even his right-hand man who switched on him, Peter. The rest of his friends bounced to and left him hanging, literally, pitifully, flesh dangling. Some bars. From a human perspective, Jesus was alone. He was in isolation. And in that moment, when the proverbial shot clock of his life was winding down, Jesus in isolation prevails, is victorious, wins, and, and defeats the enemy. And so he, he sits under the wrath of God for three hours. And this was the first time Jesus was alone. And he bore our sins in isolation. And he died for the sins of the world in isolation. And, and three short days later, he rose to victory. And although he was isolated from the rest of humanity, Jesus won the battle for you and for me. He won the battle against Satan, sin, and death on our behalf. And so Jesus being isolated was the will of the Father. This is the way it had to be. 
And because Jesus bore our sin and endured the cross and died and rose, what you and I should do is attach all of our life, all of our self, all of our hope to this one person named Jesus, to, to lay down our lives and give our lives to Jesus. Jesus spent some time in isolation so that you and I would never have to. I pray that you trust that today. And I just want to give a couple more thoughts on, on some of these pieces uh, to our text today as we think more about Jesus this morning. There was something special about the, the staff in Moses' hand. I want you to think about that for a moment. And as we think about this staff in his hand, I want you to think about two quick images. One, the shepherd's staff of protection. In Psalm 23, the Bible says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And that staff was a staff used uh, to fend off wolves and protect God's people. God defends us. And the second image I want you to see this morning is, is Moses' outstretched hands. And this um, is, is a symbolism of Jesus' outstretched hands on the cross. And this is what victory looks like. Jesus on a cross, arms outstretched, um, providing victory from our fiercest enemies. I want you to see that picture in the life of Moses and Christ today. And then I also want you to see uh, this beautiful phrase at the end of our text. God says to Moses, I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. God is the, is the one who designed the battle plan. They didn't know they were going to go to battle that day. Joshua didn't know he was going to lead the battle. And Aaron and her had no clue that they would go up on this hill to help out Moses. But God knew exactly how this would play out. And God says that he will blot out the memory of of Amalek. And I want you just to think about that phrase as we wrap up this morning, blot out. And how that really um, speaks into the life of Jesus's people and has immense meaning for us. In Psalm 51, the scriptures say, have mercy upon me according to your steadfast love. And in verse one, it says, blot out my transgressions. And in verse nine, it says, blot out my iniquities. And what this psalmist is saying is, would you please completely cover all of my sins and remove them from the book? That's what Jesus does for you and for me if we trust him. He blots it out. And secondly, in Revelation 3, 5, the scriptures say, the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, right? And I will never blot his name out from the book of life. And so both of these blot out references that we see here in the scriptures should give us tremendous hope today. He will blot out our sins through Christ Jesus. And because of this is because this is true, our names will never be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. We are his for eternity. God has surely provided lasting help for all of those who would believe. And so church, we, we can't live life on our own. We need others in our lives to help us with our battles. Jesus is enough. And so always begin with Jesus. Always begin with Jesus. But also look around you. 
See God's gift of grace to you through people that he has provided for your life. And I want you to invite them in, and I want you to insert yourselves into the lives of others around you. Know that you are not helpless this morning. You are not. Jesus promises to never leave you and never forsake you. You are never alone in Christ. Please hear that this morning. And finally, as we think about this final battle, this battle with the Amalekites, we realize that the victory hinged on one man holding up one staff. And, and for, for the victory that you and I need in Christ today, we must realize that the victory is squarely put upon, depends upon this one man named Jesus and his ability to endure and defeat our enemy and bestow his love upon us. If you're in Christ today, I want to encourage you to, to, to believe these truths uh, and let them um, just, just permeate inside of you. And, and I pray that you would invest and invite into people's lives. And this morning, if you've not trusted Jesus to be your Savior, now I want you to know that, that you need Jesus, that, that your soul needs Jesus, and that the only hope that you have for, for life uh, eternally is in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is loving. He will fight for you. He has died for you. Will you trust him today? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this time together. Um, I thank you for your word, which is sufficient, which is true, which is profitable to teach us and warn us and correct us and encourage us and strengthen us in all truth. God, I pray that you would help us to trust Jesus in our moments of battles. Jesus is, is sufficient to help us. Your word is, is a lamp for us. Um, and so God, help us to lean upon Jesus and, and your word and, and the Holy Spirit to help us in our battles. But also, God, help us to realize that you've given us a great community of believers, a great cloud of witnesses uh, to help us, to encourage us, to fight with us and to fight for us in these days. Help us, God, to, to, to seek people to help us and invest in people as well. For your glory, in Jesus' name.